Hello and welcome to Mind of a Football Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast we have Coach Brett Morrison from Westerville Central High School. He is the head coach there. Uh, his Twitter handle is at is at Brentmo zero three eight zero zero seven two four. I will also put that in the description of the podcast. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Coach, just give the listener a little bit about about yourself, about your background, what got you into coaching, and uh, and take it away from there. Um, yeah, so uh, grew up in Central Ohio, played uh, high school football here, one of the uh, big schools, and um, you know wasn't the biggest, fastest, strongest guy, um, but you know just loved the sport. I was going to go play in college, and had a couple injuries, and so that kind of got taken out of the picture and. Uh, so I remember I was getting ready to uh, uh, enter my freshman year of college, and my high school coach, who's uh, Tony Pusateri, he's in the Hall of Fame here in Ohio, reached out to me, said, hey, I think you said something about coaching. I got an opening on my freshman staff. You want it? And when you're, uh, when you're uh, going into college and someone offers you, you know, a thousand bucks to coach freshman football, it's like a dream come true, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so then I just kind of caught the bug and, you know, fell in love with the idea of, uh, you know, the game, you know, the playing chess and strategy and all that type of stuff. And, you know, probably the thing that pushed me there the most, though, was uh, when I was growing up, um, you know, single mom household, didn't really have that, you know, father figure in my life all the time. So uh, my coaches seemed to always kind of fill that void for me. And I know that uh, there were a lot of opportunities I had to, kind of take a downturn in my life and there always seemed to be a coach there offering me either the uh, support or the uh, you know kick I needed to move in the right direction so this was a great opportunity for me to provide that to um, kind of the next generation yeah coach it's it's interesting that's that's a very similar story to most coaches I, I interview that you're in it to, to help the kids be the best that they can be and uh, coach tell the that's, and that's awesome. It's fantastic. I think it's the only reason we should coach. Um, give a listener a little bit about your, like your coaching background. It's like where have you been? Um, yeah. you know, what have you done? How long have um, you been a head coach? That kind of stuff. Gotcha, yeah. So I've been pretty beneficial in that. You know, the first guy I mentioned, Tony Kuzeteri, he, uh, you know, he's in the Ohio Hall of Fame. He's coached college all over the place, has a state title. Uh, so he was my coach, and the guy gave me my first job at Reynoldsburg High School. Uh, which is one of the big high schools in central Ohio. And then from there, uh, uh, I got to coach for Kerry Hodakovic, who has a state title. He took over at Roundsburg. He's the first guy ever gave me a varsity job. So next thing I know, I'm a, the varsity running back coach. And then one of my uh, defensive coaches from when I was in high school got the head coaching job at Dublin Jerome, which is you know another D1 high school in central Ohio. And it, we actually opened the school. So he called me and said, hey, you can coach whatever you want. Like, you know, I was one of the first phone calls he ever made. So it was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, I decided to stick with running backs. And so I got to see kind of how to build a program from scratch. And uh, it, that, that's a very, very unique experience. And it, it's one of those things that, you know, if anyone ever gets a chance to do that, I, I highly, highly recommend it. It's just really neat to kind of build everything from the ground up. Um, so I coached there, and then um, I got a teaching job at Westerville Central, which ironically was another new school in uh, 
Central Ohio, and I took that job in 2005, and I'm a social studies teacher, and so I was an assistant up until 2018. So I spent 13 years as an assistant coach at this place, and I always knew I wanted to be a head coach, and I always kind of had the plan for how it was going to go, and uh, it, it didn't quite go how I thought it would. Um, but and I'll tell you, when I first got to Westville Central, so I got I went my first year there was the first year we had seniors, so there was only two years of football that I was not a part of at our school ever. Um, so. Uh, I coached, and we were bad. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. We were bad. And then after a couple of years, we had an 0-10 season. And then a guy by the name of John Magistro took the head coaching job. And, again, another Hall of Fame coach. Um, and, uh, you know, he kind of mentored me and, um, you know, helped me kind of develop and grow and gave me a lot of responsibility and, you know, really kind of pushed me. And then when he retired a few years ago, um, I took over for him. So uh, I, I've been very fortunate that my path has crossed with a lot of guys that have state titles and a lot of guys that are in the Hall of Fame and have a ton of respect throughout the state. And I always set the goal that I want to be a head coach by the time I was 30. And, you know, I, I really had to just kind of sit back. I'd say, you know, do I want to go from coaching at a Division One school in Central Ohio and maybe go to a school that's much smaller or much different or, you know, whatever. And, you know, I, I had those opportunities. I interviewed for some of the jobs I have offered to me. And um, the reality of it, my loyalty just kicked in. And, you know, the thought of leaving my players and those coaches and all those relationships I built, just the thought of that just crushed me inside. So I just decided that I was going to stay at Westville Central. And, you know, hopefully when Coach Magistro retired, I was going to fill his role. And I was lucky enough that that happened. Coach, that's awesome. I mean, to be a head coach by the time you're 30, that's that's young. That's really good. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, that was the goal. That was the goal. It didn't quite happen. So I was actually okay. uh, 35. 35 when I, when okay. I took 30 was the goal. And I had to reevaluate that goal and, you know, the benefits of the reevaluation uh, certainly paid off. So 30, 35 is when I hit my goal. That's awesome, Coach. Talk a little bit about, you know, your offensive philosophy. I, you say you coach running backs. Um, talk a little bit about what you believe in off, offensively. Um, yeah, offensively. So I was the offensive coordinator um, actually prior to Coach Magistro coming in and then I wasn't because the new coach came in that I took over. So, so I, I'm still currently the offensive coordinator. Um, and, and I will tell you, being a head coach, offense coordinator is really, really tough because also I coached quarterbacks for the 10 years before that. Um, so if, if you look at it as the head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterback coach, those are like the three most time-consuming jobs on a football staff. Yeah. And I had all of them. I had all of them. And uh, so I, I will say my first year as a head coach, I probably did our team a bit of a disservice because I, I figured out that I, I couldn't give all those things the time that they needed. Um, so I got smart. I hired someone that is much better at coaching quarterbacks than I am. Uh, he, he does a great job for me. Uh, but I still am the offensive coordinator. Um, I'm, I'm – 
doing a much better job kind of sharing those responsibilities. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's very time-consuming. So one thing I would say is our offense, we, in order for us to do it the right way, it's super simple, but we give the appearance of complexity. Um, so I was talking with uh, some other coaching friends the other day. Uh, we run four verts constantly and, and when I mean constantly like we, we run four verts um, about 30% of the time oh, wow. so one yeah so one in three times that we throw the ball you know we're going four verts on you somehow now the way that we create the simplicity in that or create complexity built into it is we have 24 different tags that we used on our four vert concept this year Jeez. so so the thing is, though, all those tags are universal. Okay. So, you know, one of the tags that we have can just be shallow, right? So we call four vert, and we tag one guy to run a shallow. And, and we make it real simple for our guys in that, you know, hey, everyone else run four vert, and then I tag the X receiver is doing this. So really, only the X receiver and the quarterback and me need to know that's happening. Right. right. For everyone else, they get to exist in normalcy. Um, so, you know, like I said, we, we did 24 different tags off of it. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing that I think is uh, really important in our offense is when we build a play, we don't like to not call that play. Like, okay. that drives me crazy. Um, sometimes I look back at my summer scripts and I'm like, man, we, we put this play in and we haven't called it yet or we've only caught it three times this year, and I, I think you can achieve those same things by just making certain plays more multiple. I always equate it to we build houses when we build plays, and you might move your furniture around, but you're still going to live in your house, right? Right. So, you know, we, we do what we can to keep living in the same houses. So we do that in the pass game. We do it in the run game. You know, we, we're going to run it a ton. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we ran inside zone this year, um, but it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, the other thing we do to create some complexity is we are uh, super fast-paced at times. So we're almost always no huddle. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we do all the, like, single word calls where, you know, we call them pace plays where basically our hair is on fire and we're moving as fast as we can. And, um, you know, I think that helps us, you know, add to that, uh, again, that, that appearance of complexity. Sure. You know, tempo is – a lot of people think it's a great equalizer. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um. So for us, again, we're a big school. We're uh, just shy of 2,000 students. So our football team, 9 through 12, we're, we're just under about 100 people. Uh, so our varsity roster, we're going to be about you know 75. So, so we are normally pretty fortunate in that we don't have a ton of two-way guys. Um, we, we do, but not a lot of them. So for us to do the tempo stuff we want, we have – no linemen that play both ways like that's a that's a non-negotiable in our program and you know some some of the guys it's always amazing like right now our center wants to be a nose guard and all this type of stuff and and, you know we do have times when we do it but from a consistent basis because you know i explain it to them this way okay well you might do fine the first four weeks of the season but you've already played eight games Right. right. The the huge there's a reason you only play.
repetition over and over and over again. So, um, you know, I, I explained that to him. I said, would you want to play two football games in a week? No, I wouldn't want to do Okay, well, you just did if you played both ways. You know, skill guys are a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, linemen, that's a non-negotiable. You know, we, we just, you know, live in that. Um, so, um, you know, offensively with tempo, the other thing that we've added – that actually is really, really helpful. We stole this from a wing T team is we will huddle and run pace from huddle. Huh, okay. So so we will actually huddle up four yards from the ball and from the time we break the huddle to the time we snap the ball, we want it to be at about four seconds. So we are, you know, when we do this, a lot of times it's goal line. We throw in some goofy, like, unbalanced formations. And, you know, you can do all those cheating tendencies that you try to hide because you sprint to the line so fast. Right. Um, you know, and we actually stole that from some wing T team that, you know, they would do that to us to, to hide where the tight end was, where the tackle over was. You know, they were flip-flopping strong and weak side linemen, and, you know, that was the way that they accomplished it without, you know, people having the time to identify it. So we, we've added that in so as a way of adding pace to a huddle system. Right. And, you know, as I was a defensive coach for a long time. That's the hardest thing to deal with because you're trying to find formation strength. What if you have a blitz called? And then if you're unbalanced, you're trying to declare a new center at the same time in four seconds. That's really hard. That's very, very yeah. difficult. Yeah, um, it, it's tough because I mean, we're a base spread team. Like, we're going to be 10 personnel the vast majority of time. Um, but, yeah, when, when we hop into those little huddles, um, it, it's amazing you know, the confusion that that causes. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, when we do it, and, you know, we'll, we'll go under center when we do that too, which is weird for us. Uh, we don't get our center very often. Um, but, you know, one thing, like, if we're running top sweep, we'll just line up and we'll put the tail back in between the guard and tackle. And, you know, okay. Larry, he's, he's two feet out on the sweep already. So, you know, just weird stuff that you couldn't normally do, um, but it just kind of adds that extra element for us. Sure. Um, so, offense is up-tempo. You do some unique things in the goal line. How do you – like, what's your defensive philosophy, and how does that match up with your offensive philosophy? Uh, so, kind of in all phases of our uh, uh, game, we're super aggressive, and, and we sell that mindset to the kids. Um you know, we, we are coming after you. We are coming at, like, we are going to go win football games. Um, and so sometimes that will backfire on us, um, you know, because sometimes being really, really aggressive, uh, you know, you can shoot yourself in the foot. But then also when you try to do something that's not aggressive, your kids look at you like, what are we doing? Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and it's funny, like, this year, I mean, we – we, we beat a team, you know, pretty bad. And, you know, so we came out and the kids are like, well, why aren't we throwing the ball? Why aren't we doing this? And I'm like, I'm like, guys, we, you know, we, we, we've scored enough. We're going to win the game. And they're like, coach, that's not what we've talked about all summer. <laughs> I'm like, right, yeah. yeah, you're, you're right. But, but now is not the time, you know? Um, so, uh, but defensively we're an odd stack team. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, my my defense coordinator Michael Banig, uh, you know me and him were on staff together when I took over two years ago. 
had never been a coordinator before. I had never been a head coach before, so it seemed perfect, right? Um, sure, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, but, you know, we had a very similar mindset in how we wanted to do this, and we saw eye to eye, and he was always a uh, four-man front guy. And I told him, I said, listen, if we're, we're going to play linemen the way, you know, our non-negotiable, no two-way guys, I said, we have to go to a three-man front. I said, you can blitz more from a three-man front, and I know he loves the blitz, so that kind of appealed to him. And so, you know, we find creative ways, essentially, to bring four-man pressures, but play it from an odd stack. Sure. Um, you know, our, our defense this year, I mean, statistically, uh, they were insane. I mean, I've never been a part of a defense like this. Uh, and, and, again, it was just that attack mentality over and over and over again. Um, so, I mean, we our defense gave up like eight points a game. Um, you know, at one point they did a big article about our defense because through five games, I think we had only given up like six rushing yards. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, another thing that we emphasize, you know, we call money down. So, you know, third and fourth down, uh, you know, we, we held teams to about 20% conversion rates um, and then the other thing that we really emphasize is just take the ball like be aggressive take the ball so when it was all said and done this year we ended up plus 20 in the turnover ratio oh wow Jeez. yeah um, and you know we talk about you know keeping things simple and keeping things you know kind of multiple but simplistic uh, in our defense you know I, when I told my one to go odd front I really, really push the, like, hey, let's go too high. Let's be, like, a quarters or a palms team and read stuff. And, and I really push that. And, uh, you know, my defensive coordinator came to me, and he, he basically said, it, it, it's too much. Yeah. Like, people that do that, you know, that that's what they live in. It's just way too expensive of a coverage um, because, you know, when you do that, that's what you have to be. Right. You know, that, that becomes your identity. So we actually, we do some too high stuff, but we are primarily, I mean, a spot drop cover three team or bring the heat team. And we right. play man behind it. I mean, that that's it. And, you know, it, it's funny. Everyone's like, man, people are going to throw four verts on you. People are, and I'll tell you, we're so aggressive that good luck finding them. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, because... Yeah. You know, even when we're only bringing four guys, our linebackers blitz with such intensity that they normally are getting there and they're disrupting your reads. And, you know, on top of it, we've had some good secondary guys. Um, you know, and our, our secondary coach does a really good job. And then, you know, we obviously have some change-ups um, because, like, our, our boundary overhang is more of a safety type. So if we need him to run with two vert, that's a very easy switch for us, sure. you know. But but again, you know, we we just find a, a lot of different you know window dressing to throw on a a pretty basic front and coverage scheme. Sure. You talk about being simple, but but appearing to be complex. I think that's the, the ticket to high school football. So what? Like, to you, when you say simple, like, is there a number of schemes you're carrying, or is that just something you feel with the players? Uh, it's more of, uh, I think, kind of a feel thing. Um, you know, because you have different groups. 
uh, Hall of Fame stadium, you know, where they play the preseason or uh, NFL game. So we play a playoff game there, and so it's one of my favorite games of all time, right? Well, so I looked at that game, and I was re-watching it, and we threw one pass past the line of scrimmage. Oh, wow. And we killed this team, right? I mean, and this is a couple rounds deep in the playoffs, so it's a very impressive win. Um, and, you know, we had the run game going, but our quarterback got hurt. We had a backup quarterback in. We had a backup guard in, so we knew our pass protection was going to be very, very sketchy, right? We And so basically what we did, we said, hey, this week we're going to throw all kinds of crazy motions and formations and unbalance, but we're literally going to run a couple screens. We're going to have a vertical concept if we need it, and then we're just going to run the ball. And, you know, that's how we live. Um, now this year, for instance, we have every starting alignment back. Uh, one guy graduated, but the guy filling in for him started a couple games. So, like, you know, we're saying this is like advanced placement football this year for the O-line. And, you know, we're going to be able to get a lot more complicated with them. That's just like our whole defensive front is back. So we're going to be able to get really, really complicated with those guys and, you know, kind of not really complicated, but, but just put more on their plate. Right. right? Um, and then next year, when we have five new starters on the O-line, it might get really, really, really basic again. Right. And then we as coaches just got to find a way to give the appearance of complexity where your opponent can't say, oh, they're only running two plays. Yeah, we, we got to be able to stop it. Right. And, you know, like, I know for high school coach, it comes down to practice time, too. So we're thinking – how long do you guys practice? What's the typical practice length for you guys? Um, so uh, we're fortunate in that we have a weightlifting period. So in season, uh, we can knock out like a lot of film in that time. So we, we don't have to worry about that. But so we hit the field and we're done two hours maximum. Okay. Um, and uh, you know our guys kind of embrace that, and, and the way we practice. Everyone practices both sides of the ball. So really, by the time you take out special teams, it's actually light and warm-ups and all that type of stuff. It, it's actually about a 50-minute, 50 50-minute 50 offense-defensive practice. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, on top of that, like, we don't bring our players in on the weekend. Um, you know, one thing that when I took over, um, you know, we, we decided to embrace efficiency. So, you know, Saturday film sessions, you know, we've all been there. Number one, the studies about sleep show that a kid after competition to fully recover, that sleep phase is so important that when, you know, if we go play, like, like we have a team in our conference this year that it takes us, you know, get home after a game, you know, 45 minutes, whatever. I mean, our kids, by the time they eat and go talk to whoever and go to sleep, it's going to be after midnight, so at the earliest. So then for me to say, okay, get your butts back in here at 8 a.m., like you're not not doing what you say you're doing, right? Um, So so we think the sleep piece is huge um, in the recovery, and then we also believe that film can be done digitally, 
Um, you know, so we, we do different, you know, grade sheets and things like that. And the kids watch the game at their house. They have to reach out to us as coaches and kind of acknowledge that they've watched the game. And, um, and then, you know, on Monday, we'll, we'll discuss as a team, like, major issues. Okay. Right? We're, we're not going to talk about Johnny misstepping on inside zone. But, you know, maybe, hey, we didn't identify – this guy on this pass pro or whatever over and over and over again we need to address that right so so what you're saying is you don't want the whole team in a room for like two hours and guys are falling asleep and getting their phones out is what you're saying yeah it, it, it's <laughs> brutal I, and especially after a loss yeah right? yeah yeah because because you know after you win everyone's just happy and they're you know watching themselves win and then after a loss everyone's miserable and they're looking for other people to blame sure and you know, so you, you create this weird dynamic in that room. And then you as a coach, right, we always say, like, if you're going to be mad about something, you know, take a day, right? right take a yeah. day, be mad, get over it. Well, if you're mad and you bring those kids in eight hours after that loss, yeah. you, know, you, you know, you might be directing some anger in the wrong direction. Sure, and – you know, I, I was at a place we did that, and I would find myself just not being a good coach because you're so – like you lost the game, and you, let's say your guy busted on the play, and it was the reason why – one of the reasons why you lost. And you're not coaching up. You're still coaching out of anger. Is What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I wouldn't say we coach out of anger, but, you know, I mean, we're just so passionate about sure, it, yeah, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, right. And, about your your practice schedule so does ohio plays jv on saturdays or no yes or no uh it's kind of a league discretion exactly how it's played but yeah most places it's a uh saturday morning jv game okay and then it's a uh you know freshman or either thursday or saturday okay so like what does your typical week of practice look like as far as like monday through Thursday, what is like? What do you do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get your guys ready for Friday? Um, well, so like I mentioned, we don't we don't come out. Sorry, so Monday there is like all of our prep is okay. that day for our opponent, and then we also uh, this year we're uh, going to incorporate a little bit more film from the week before, kind of the highlight, low light, you know, ten plays. You know, that type of deal. Sure. Um, and then we'll just take, you know, roughly about 25 minutes to kind of introduce any new concepts. 
Okay. Um, and we, we get a really good stretch in that day, and then we do um, an extended special teams segment on Monday, and then we split uh, offense and defense afterwards. So it equates normally to about almost 30 minutes of special teams, and then about, you know, let's say 40 and 40 of offense and defense. Then when we go Tuesday, um, we will, um, you know, come out. We, we show them some film during that lifting period we have because uh, they've lifted on Monday. Uh, so Tuesday is more of a film stretch, medical need, whatever. Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be pretty much the same thing. We're going to be uh, full equipment, and um, we're going special teams at the beginning, and then we also kind of sprinkle them in. Uh, throughout practice occasionally and uh, when we go offense and defense it's right about a 45 minute 50 minute practice for Tuesday Wednesday and then Thursday um, you know I used to be a part of a staff that had the forever Thursday right like go through every imaginal scenario possible and uh, um, we, we have a longer Thursday earlier in the season, but we're to the point where you know we've we've figured out we we're just repeating ourselves way too much, you know because our rule is if it doesn't look good on Wednesday it's out, right? So so you know Thursday a lot of times is more about hey by the way we threw out this 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 and this but we are still going to do these things, um, so we are in and out. I mean probably under an hour and like what would you say to, to coaches I don't know if guys have won a lot of games but coaches that would say you know you have to go longer like longer is better because you know you're going to run into those guys and not that you have to defend your position but what would you tell somebody if they're asking you like well I don't feel like I can practice for an hour and get everything I need to get in um well you know it, it's funny because at the end of you know, everyone gets evaluated, including coaches. So at my, my end of year evaluation with the principal and the AD, they actually asked that. They said, Coach, man, you know, you're not you're you're doing this and this and you're cutting time here and cutting time there and whatever and um, you know, here's what I explained. Uh, you know, education is like this too, in that like you have all these models of efficiency that exist out there. Why not embrace them in your sport? Right? So, mm-hmm. like, Huddle, for instance. I don't need to be in a room to watch Huddle on one screen. In fact, those kids are probably better off if you just give them the screen and give them some direction on what to do with the screen. Right. Um, you know, and, again, football is the same way. If, if you're looking at practice that takes you, you know, I know some guys are out there like three hours. If you have a three-hour practice, how much are you actually getting out of it? Right. Um, because – because for us, like, if you want to be a tempo team, it's exhausting. I mean, it really is. It's exhausting. And if you're not fresh on Friday, like, we run four verts, I mean, a third of the time. Right. If my dudes aren't fresh, they're not getting vertical very fast, and now we start losing games. Right. And, you know, if you ever watch a wide receiver in practice, and, you know, I challenge a coach to do this, put, put a Fitbit on them, put something on them and track their steps during a practice and it is miles 
Yeah, I sure. Mean, miles yeah. that they are running. So you accumulate that, and I mean, on the low end, you're receiving. And you're always asking them to go full speed, right? Oh, that route's not going to be like that. You got to go full speed for timing. So <laughs> by the time you actually break it down, I mean, you're making your dude sprint. You know, let's say seven miles a week. Right. That's insane. Yeah, that's and a lot. And then go perform in a game. Sure. So, yeah, I think less is more. Now, you have to embrace that as a staff. you got to learn how to coach on the fly, and you got to be prepared. I mean, you got to go. you got to go. I mean, you know, we have segments <laughs> where there is literally no coaching. It is all about coaching intensity, effort, and getting the ball set as fast as you can. And, you know, it is more about just having the mindset that we're going to be so fast Right, that the execution we can we can brief afterwards, right, and talk sure. about execution issues. Yeah. So, do you? I'm guessing you film practice. Yeah. So we we do film uh, okay. quite a bit of practice. The kids, it, it gets put up there for them. The coaches really embrace it, and like you know, we'll we'll do a lot of stuff with film after practice. Most of the time, though, it's just coaches watch it. And sure. then we uh, come in the next day and say, hey, da, 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 or we shoot them a text or whatever. And and we do that through the summer. Um, and then during the week, we occasionally film practice. But, like, as a coach, you're trained to see that stuff by then. You know the tendencies of where the mistakes are. Right. You identify them. And so, you know, you just make a little note and then you fix it. Sure, and I, I, I practice like that for a long time uh, as, a, as a head coach. I think it's great. I mean, you're getting a lot of reps. Uh, kids aren't standing around. I think it's I think it's awesome, Coach. As we as we start to wrap this up, talk about your special teams philosophy a little bit and how that goes with your attacking aggressive um, style. Uh, yeah, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts. And I know that there there was talk of like no punting. Uh, we we are not quite there. Um, we do go for it quite a bit, though. Um, and and the, the best thing is, my defensive coordinator is the guy that walks up to me and says, go for it. Right. You know, uh, well, I think most people, it's kind of the opposite, right? The right. defensive coordinator saying, pin them deep, pin them deep, right? So, again, that's just that, that aggressive mentality. And there are times when I'll punt the ball or I'll kick a field goal and the defensive staff gets mad at me. And oh, geez. Like, Why don't you go for it? Why don't you go for it? I'm like, oh, boy, okay. You know, so, sure. again, just that, that aggressive mentality is, uh, you know, it, it just – flows through us we fake punt all the time um we did something this year where we have our regular punter um but then we have a kid that's going to kentucky who we taught him how to rugby punt okay um and you'd be amazed how much stress that puts on a team when you take you're basically one of your top athletes and have him trying to hit the perimeter as fast as he can on fourth down um you know it, it creates some issues um so, yeah, that's something I would really encourage. Just take the take, you know, I, we're going to start doing it more consistently, but, like, identify when they're freshmen, hey, who's the most athletic kid? Teach him how to punt rugby. Sure. And you now, you now have fakes built in for four years. Um, so, yeah, 
you know, that's big. We onside kick a ton, um, especially early on in games. Uh, in fact, I think we ended up onside kicking 12 times last year. Oh, and my gosh. Not one of not one of them was needed. You know, it was all like early in the game, we called it. Um, so of those 12, I think we got like seven or eight of them. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, we, we, we again, you know, go after that. Um, and then the rest of our special teams are, are, are all pretty, pretty basic type of stuff. Um, you know, we, we try not to have a lot of complexity on special teams. Again, just use that aggressive mindset, and we spend the majority of our special teams time on different onside kicks. Okay, okay. So how many, like, when you say different onside kicks, how many are you work in a week, give or take? So what we do is a clock system. Okay. Right? So if you're, you know, if we're deep middle, right, that would be 12 o'clock. So that, that's a nice thing because probably no one has a kicker's coach on here, right? right yeah. listening, unless you're a college coach. Um, so, right, we just tell the kickers, hey, go over there and work on hitting 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6, right? And you just tell them, and they go over and they work on hitting those spots. And so then it's really simple because we walk in and we say, okay, today we're going to run, you know, pooch, which would be like a 10 o'clock punt, right? So, or sorry, not punt, kickoff. Um, So, you know, hey, we're going to go run 10 o'clock. And all of our kids know on a clock where 10 is. So we're going there. Um, And it, it, it makes it really simple. Sometimes we do some different alignment things. We normally are a hash five by five team. Uh, we do some different things where we'll split different people out further and you know wider or more condensed, and basically just see are you going to walk out there or not. If sure. you're not, we're going to take a shot at it. Okay, yeah, coach, that's awesome. I've I've thought about a lot doing different onside kicks, just haven't had the the guts to pull it off. But may have to definitely do that this year. <laughs> that would be something good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, the, the best time to onside kick is when you get that momentum. I mean, we so, you know, we had a team that we were playing last year, and this was, you know, middle of the game, and we hit a huge touchdown on them. I mean, it was one of those, like, the whole crowd just went, uh, right. right? And and so we came right back with an onside kick. Because, you know, their, their coaching staff, is, you know, they're all worried about the touchdown they just gave up and try and make adjustments and motivate the kids and all that type of stuff. And, and probably the last thing you're thinking is there's an onside kick coming. And then we got it. And, I mean, even though it was middle of the game, it probably sealed the game for us. Right. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Coach. I mean, gee whiz. That's, that, like you said, high school is a game of – it really is a game of momentum. Um, yep. You know, it's like we're dealing with, you know, young kids and trying to get them ready to, ready to rock and roll. You know, and trying to get them to play hard and fast. That's awesome, coach. So, coach, as we as we land it, give please just give the listener a little bit of a nugget as to what would be your advice to to coaches out there, young or old, um, about you know why to coach, how to coach, and how to how to really conduct yourself in a professional manner. Um. You know, I think uh, one of the biggest things that I would encourage is, like, as a staff, 
sure you know what everyone on that staff wants to accomplish sure. and set, set like clear expectations and paths to help them reach that. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, when I was an assistant, you know, I really wanted to be a head coach and that was kind of my goal. That was kind of my passion. And it was one of those things that the head coach knew and we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. Right? right. I mean, we kind of did, but probably not as much as now looking back, I wish we had. Right. Because I'm in situations now where I know he was in that situation at some point. So, you know, it would have been really beneficial to me if I would have said, hey, as a head coach, how are you going to handle this? I'd like to know what your mindset is. Right. Sure. Um, so. So, like, for me, one of the things that I do as a head coach is, is I sit down with my assistants all the time and I say, what's your goal in the profession? And, like, right now, I only have one guy on my coaching staff that says he wants to be a head coach. Okay. Like, everyone else is just very content on, you know, being a part of this staff and kind of growing within the staff. So, that guy, like, I sent him every single thing I did to try to be a head coach. So right. I sent him my resume, my portfolio. Every time there's a situation that comes up, I'm like, hey, just so you know, I did this because da 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 da. Um, so I okay. think that's important, and not just for guys that want to be head coaches, but guys that want to be coordinators, guys that want to you know, coach this or whatever. I think it's important that you embrace that and just help them down that path and find very specific resources that can help them you know maybe it's identifying a, a college coach that you think they blend well with and say hey why don't you go take two days go down to their campus see what they do coach that's awesome i mean that's and i had a lot, bunch of i had a bunch of coaches as a young coach pour into me and give me the, the chance to do things like uh, that a head coach would do and it was it was incredible coach i i can't thank you enough for doing this we're, we're in a the corona lockdown uh, coach, <laughs> thank you for coming on and, and giving us just some gold because this has been really, really good. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you for what you do for the profession. Awesome, man. Well, listeners, we will put this thing up here shortly.